helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. When the framers of the Constitution created the new union, they created a republic of republics, a federation. In this federalist system, power was divided not only between the the branches of the central government, but between that central government and the states. For this federalist system to work, both the federal and state governments must do their duty to not only exercise their powers, but defend them. So when I see states standing up to exercise their legitimate powers, it warms the cockles of my heart. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution to teach the rising generation to be free. I am so glad you could join me today. Uh, I have to thank the Tenth Amendment Center. Um, believe me, uh, believe it or not, all of my articles today, except one, started with something I read from the Tenth Amendment Center. Now, I don't always agree with the Tenth Amendment Center, but uh, hey, when they give me this number of good articles right in a row, I thought it was only fair that I call them out and let you know about it. It's a great place to get information about states' rights. Now, before we jump into the specific articles, let me make uh, back up and explain one of my statements. I talked about the United States being a federation, which Noah's Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines as a league, a confederacy. I would say it's a union. See, that's the part I think we've lost in our education system. The United States is not a monolithic entity. It's a union of states. They are united states. And those states have, not only do those states um, have supremacy over the federal government, because, well, let's face it, 13 of those states actually created the federal government. Every state that has joined since, all 37 of them, have agreed to join this union, not to simply subjugate themselves to the federal government, but to subjugate themselves to the Constitution. That's what we talk about, the Supremacy Clause. It's not that the federal government can do whatever it wants. It's what they can do what the Constitution authorizes. So that's what we talk when we talk about the federalist system we're talking about today 50 different states that have their own personalities they have their own priorities they have their own concerns and they have their own way of doing things and they are allowed to with the exception of the powers that they delegated to the United States under the constitution just read the 10th amendment it makes a lot of sense that way so let's start off. Let's, we're going to start today in Utah. Uh, Utah has passed a couple of interesting bills, the uh, first of which deals with the central bank digital currency, CD, CBDCs. Now, this legislation, this is House Bill uh, uh, 0164, and they refer to something called specie legal tender. Uh, specie, it's, it's a form of legal tender that a person is not required to accept, right? So uh, a specie legal tender is is something, um, a credit card, right? If you walk into a business, they are pretty much required by law to accept cash, 
They may not like it, but it's legal tender. It can be used. A credit card is specie legal tender, meaning you can accept it, but you can't be compelled to accept it. Uh, I, I can decide, um, you know, as the Constitution study, when I'm at events and I'm taking credit cards in person, I can decide whether or not I'm going to take credit cards or which credit cards I'm going to accept. Um, I can do the same thing, by the way, with, with my online store. Also, you can think of a check, a personal check, as a specie legal tender. It is a legal way of paying for something, but you're not required to accept it. Uh, with that understanding, um, we have uh, Utah House Bill uh, 0164. And this uh, amends, uh, I think it's what, Title 56, Chapter 1, Section 1502 of the uh, uh, Laws of Utah. Um, I don't know if it's chapter number. Uh, let's say 15-1-1502 of the Laws of Utah, which is a list of specie legal tender. So, uh, for example, gold or silver coin or bullion, other than gold issued by the United States, is specie legal tender. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But this is going to add a definition, um, section, subsection 4, that says a central bank digital currency is not specie legal tender and is not legal tender in the United States. I'm sorry, in the state. So what does that mean? Well, let's say the federal government comes along and issues a, 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 a digital dollar, a central bank digital currency. Well, within the state of Utah, under this law, you cannot be compelled to take a CBDC. If you do business in Utah, now I don't, let's say I, the, the, um, the United States issues a digital dollar, um, I'm doing some event in Utah, and uh, someone comes up and tries to pay me in a CBDC. In Utah, I can't be compelled to take it. I'm sorry, I don't accept, C, accept CBDCs. Someone hands me cash, I have to take it, but not a CBDC. And to me, this is in, this is that pushback against the C. And, and again, this is a state exercising authority. Now, the, the this doesn't run afoul of the Constitution because the Constitution says that a um, a state cannot use use anything but gold or silver coin as money. It can they cannot issue their own their own money except gold and silver, right? So there can't be a Utah dollar, but they're not issuing a dollar. They're saying, listen, this stuff ain't money. You can't use it here. And um, you can't, literally they're saying it's not legal tender. You cannot use a CBDC in Utah. I'm sure if and when the the, uh, the powers that be in, in Washington issue this CBDC, because they know they're going to try. They need it to, to keep swindling the American people. That's, you know. But it's, at least in Utah, Utah standing up and saying no. Um, and and um, again, when the, when the feds get around to it, there'll be a court fight. The question is, will Utah continue to stand when the federal courts that are part of the federal government decide that the federal government can issue the CBDC as legal tender? Again, the uh, Congress has the ability to issue money. It does not have the power to issue uh, to def to make that quote unquote legal tender or 
something you have to take. Let me back up to something I mentioned before, because it's this gold and silver coin or bullion that caught my attention. Uh, so in Utah, as I read this law, if you get a, let's say you get a gold coin, you buy a gold coin um, from somebody, right? Then that is not specie legal tender in, um, I'm sorry, it's considered specie legal tender in the state of Utah, right? So if it's a gold or silver coin that was not issued by the United States, right? You get a, uh, was, you, you get a, was a gold eagle, a $50 gold piece, whatever that is. You get a U.S. golden eagle. That is, um, uh, that is legal tender, I believe, within the state of Utah. But if you buy a gold coin from, you know, Fred the gold dealer, and he struck the coin, or he sells you bullion. He makes he gets a, a big chunk of gold or silver, and he sells it to you. That is specie legal tender, meaning somebody cannot be compelled to take it as in, in payment of a debt. Right, and it I, I found this interesting because on the one hand, the use of gold and silver coin as as legal tender in a state has uh has been used to counteract the um the recklessness of the federal government of the federal reserve the uh the monetary policy of the federal government it's the state saying we want some some other options utah is unique in that i believe gold and silver coin and bullion issued by the united states is legal tender if it's issued by somebody else it's specie legal tender meaning um, you cannot be forced to use it without some sort of, of action, the, a court action to compel this use. Or they do say if Congress enacts legislation to say that this is not legal tender, you have to follow it. So it was, I just thought that was an interesting sidebar. I, I, I hope I didn't drift too far uh, a stream for you. But we're, let's, stay, let's stay in Utah. I talked uh, several months ago about Tennessee and their legislation to create a framework to identify federal acts that are unconstitutional and therefore not valid within the state of Tennessee. Well, Utah is working on one as well. Uh, we have uh, uh, Utah, was it SB uh, 57 in Utah? It's called the Utah Constitutional Sovereignty Act. And in it, uh, there's a section of their law. Uh, was it uh, 63G-16-202? That would be amended to say to read, the legislature may, by concurrent resolution, prohibit a government officer from enforcing or insisting in the enforcement of a federal directive within the state if the legislature determines a federal directive violates the principles of state sovereignty in accordance with subsection 2. Subsection 2 reads, a federal directive violates the principles of state sovereignty if the federal directive restricts or infringes upon a power or right reserved to the state by the 10th Amendment to the United States Constitution or the state's rights or interests to provide for the health, safety, and welfare uh, and promote the prosperity of the state's inhabitants. Uh, a request for concurrent... And, and, I'm sorry, and then it goes on and talks about how it goes about some of those, some of those processes. So as I read this, um, the state of Tennessee is looking to put in place a process where the legislature 
by concurrent resolution can say this act um, violates our state sovereignty because the, the federal government is acting beyond a power. They're, 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 they're trying to enact a power reserved to the states by the 10th Amendment. Um, or, and they've added this proviso, uh, they infringe with the state's uh, right to provide for the health, safety, and welfare and the, promote the prosperity of the state inhabitants. That one I might want to discuss a little bit more if I were if I were involved in this. What do you mean by that? Where you're getting that that writer example? Is that not already a power reserved to the states by the Tenth Amendment? I think maybe they're dealing with a a concern because you've got you know, the FDA and the CDC and the NIH and the all of those not realizing that those agencies don't legally exist because they are enacting a power not delegated to the United States. Therefore, they are unconstitutional acts and they are void. Uh, I've used examples over and over again. And by the way, if you'd like me to talk more about that at some point, uh, I've written about it. But if you'd like me to sit here and chat with that, I'd be more than happy to. So just uh, let me know. Comment when this goes to the to the uh, um, podcast and the, and the episode page shows up at americaoutloud.news or um, go to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Ask, click ask a question and add, simply ask, hey, Paul, will you talk about this on the radio program? Uh, I'd be more than happy to. But I want to say, hey, congrats to Utah for considering this. Now, let's see if the legislature finishes the deal, if they push through. If you listen to this program and you live in Utah, you are a resident of Utah, I would reach out to your state legislative representatives, your, your rep, your senator, talk to them about these two bills. Again, one in the house, one coming out of the House, one coming out of the Senate, explain to them your, your, uh, the, the reasons you would support such a bill, maybe any concerns you might have, but let them know that this is the type of thing we, are, we expect our representatives at the state level to do. That is to defend their own sovereignty, to defend their own, um, their own powers, the powers we delegated to them. You know, we, we the people... When we created the states via their constitutions, we delegated them some powers. Yes, we allowed them to delegate some of those powers to the United States, but they need to defend the powers we have delegated to them if they wish to remain, um, if they wish to remain our representatives. If they want their job, this is what we expect you to do. Uh, I also expect that, um, well, let's say if this passes, I do expect at some point some federal actor to push back. Encourage your representatives, including your governor and anyone else, to be prepared for that pushback and have the arguments lined up already. Don't wait until the uh, the lawyers show up with the paperwork. Let's start today. Hey, if we're doing this, how would we defend this? Uh, I don't know if you want to write it into the legislation, but it certainly might be a nice addendum to say, hey, here's the justification for this. Here's where we see the authority so that um, when the feds come and knock in, um, we're ready. Your representatives are ready. And, and even if it's not a current representative, hey, wouldn't it be nice if it was already written down so that uh, an attorney general or a governor sees the feds coming and says, hey, wait a second, I've got my, sharp, my shield. I've got my armor. I've already, we've already thought through this. We are prepared. I certainly do recommend that. I recommend being prepared. You know, the, there's an old saying in, in self-defense, the body won't go where the mind hasn't been. 
Let's take some time and consider that. And again, help your representative. They probably are not thinking this way. You can help them and by doing so, help yourself and your family by helping them engage in that uh, that question and that debate. Okay, Utah is done. I have Kentucky is coming up. But before I go to talk about Kentucky, I have to take a break. Now, before I go, again, I've talked about the website, constitutionstudy.com. It's a great place to see more of what we're doing here. By the way, if you would like to learn more of how you can help your representatives, well, check out the Patriots program. The boot camp is free. Take the boot camp. Um, it's video. I'm working on an online version, a video, a, a Zoom version, where I'll still have the pre-recorded version, but I'm going to do one live via Zoom. But right at the beginning, we talk about how to build these arguments and to give you some tools so that you can defend your rights. You don't have to join the Patriots. You can try it out. Just go to constitutionstudy.com, click the Patriots but button, and then check out the boot camp. The other thing I like to do, I, I work crazy hours. I work a lot of hours doing a lot of things. And I get to the end of the day and I get burnt out. I start losing focus. It's hard keeping track when you're, when you're running around like crazy. Well, guess what? I found something to help. And no, it's not another cup of coffee or, or an energy drink or, or something like that. It's vitamins. So I've learned that I can boost my short-term focus and my long-term brain power with healthy cells, focus and recall, vitamins. I don't get the shakes. I don't get the jitters. I don't get the crash. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order of focus and recall or anything from Healthy Cell. Find out more at americaoutloud.shop. But if you're one of those people that pounds energy drinks or, or drinks coffee all day long and you want to get off the caffeine and sugar, check it out. Check out Focus and Recall. Give it a try. Go to americaoutloud.shop and find out how you can get 25% off your first order when you do so. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD loud. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. 
Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study, today we're talking about states standing up. And you know what I realized over the break? I have never been to Utah. See, when, I was, when my daughter was young, we used to play a game. I traveled a lot for work. And what I used to do is wherever I went, I would send a postcard home. And that's one of the ways we taught our daughter geography, right? We, she, we homeschooled our daughter, daughter and she, we would collect these postcards from these different locations. And we turned it into a game. We got points for whether you were went to the airport or or actually spent the night or lived somewhere. And uh, so I went and checked. And sure enough, I have never been to Utah, which sounds like a really good reason why somebody might f- figure out how we could do an event in Utah that I could go to. And if we could arrange the travel, I'd love to go to Utah. Uh, I love being up in the mountains and uh, um, I'd love to check it out. It's a place I haven't been yet. Maybe take a trip to Four Corners or something. Well, anyway. I said before we went off to break that uh, my next uh, state standing up was going to be Kentucky. Now, listen, I got to admit, I have a love-hate relationship with Kentucky. I live not far from Kentucky. Um, I've done a lot, a fair amount of work in Kentucky. Um, not real thrilled with Mitch McConnell, but hey, you know, I, I, you're doing some good work here. See, the the the, the house, the Kentucky House has uh, submitted uh, House Bill 45. They've introduced a single House Bill. 45. Um, What is House Bill 45? Well, this deals with um, automatic license plate readers, or ALPRs. I know, don't they love this? So you may not realize it, but um, uh, a lot of, of states and a lot of municipalities have these license plate readers. They put them on uh, police vehicles. They put them on traffic, uh, uh, you know, um, traffic lights and signs. And the idea is, is as you're driving around, they're reading your license plate and they're keeping track of your license plate just in case they need to investigate you. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, a, a problem with that. In fact, I, it's called the Fourth Amendment. So here's the, the legislation that Kentucky has proposed. Uh, again, House Bill, what did I say? It was House Bill uh, 45. Um, and in there we read, a person, agency, or political subdivision shall not use an unmanned aircraft system equipped with an imaging device to record an image of privately owned real property or of the owner, tenant, occupant, invitee, or licensee of such property with the intent to conduct surveillance on the individual or property captured in the image in violation of the person's reasonable expectation of privacy without his or her written consent. For the purpose of this section, a person is presumed to have a reasonable expectation of privacy on his or her privately owned real property 
if he or she is observable by is not observable by persons located at ground level in a place where they have a legal right to be, regardless of whether he or she is observable from the air with the use of an unmanned aircraft system. So here's the interesting part. This is really about using drones to spy on people. So the idea is, uh, let's say you have a house, and I remember, I don't remember where it was. There was a case I remember reading, uh, discussing what this. Let's say you have a house and you have a fence, and uh, in the backyard you have stuff, right? Well, you cannot see what's in the backyard at ground level. So some law enforcement agencies or code enforcement, they would take a drone, fly it over your house, identify, oh, you violated, you know, city ordinance so-and-so, or, or hey, we found you're growing marijuana in the backyard uh, in violation of our laws, or whatever. They can't do that. Now, here's the interesting point, and this is, uh, to me, I have a couple issues, right? Not, not really bad issues, but I, there, I do have a couple issues. First of all, why is it limited to unmanned aircraft? What about manned aircraft? What if they just go up, they get themselves a little Piper Cub and they're flying around. They can, the, the law enforcement can get around this simply by using a manned aircraft rather than an unmanned aircraft. Don't know if they thought of that. But here's the, the other thing. It's, it's, it's based on the reasonable expectation of privacy. Here's the problem. People talk about the Fourth Amendment and the expectation of privacy. The Fourth Amendment does not protect your privacy. That is not what its function is. The Fourth Amendment reads, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. See, it's not a question of whether or not you keep it private. The very act of searching, the very act of surveilling someone to gather data is a without, without a, 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 a warrant or an exigent circumstance, is itself a violation of the Fourth Amendment. So to me, this is a, a baby step in the right direction. Right? Problem number one, why only unmanned aircraft? How about all aircraft? Right? Problem number two, um, why are you limited to an expectation of privacy? Why can they search without a warrant or probable cause Simply because, you know, but in, in a way that, um, well, you're not, you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy. You're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on this idea of, I've kept this private. No, the government cannot search unless they have a reasonable cause to do so. And that reasonable cause is generally supported by either a warrant, meaning they've gone before a judge, they have probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, or an exigent circumstance, an articulable exigent circumstance, meaning the need was so urgent we could not wait to get a warrant, which is actually a fairly high standard in today's technological age where law enforcement can get a warrant via phone call. There's probably an app for that in most cases. So again, this is a, a baby step in the right direction. I'd like to see more. Well, there is more from Kentucky, just not related to that. Let me introduce you to the Kentucky House Bill 149, which was recently introduced. Now, in this, we read, Notwithstanding any other provision of the law, the Kentucky National Guard and any member of the Kentucky National Guard 
shall not be released from the state into active duty combat unless the federal government has satisfied any outstanding balance to the Kentucky National Guard and the United States Congress has passed an official declaration of war or taken official action pursuant to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 of the United States Constitution to explicitly call forth the Kentucky National Guard and any member of the, of the Guard for enumerated purpose to expressly execute the laws of the Commonwealth, repel invasion, or suppress insurrection. Okay, so uh, again, I like this 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 bill. It's very interesting. It says, listen, the Kentucky National Guard is there to serve Kentucky. It, they shall not be released for, in, into active duty unless the federal government has satisfied the requirements of the Constitution. One actually says, first says, satisfied any outstanding balance to the Kentucky National Guard. And that deals with the fact that um, when a National Guard, as I understand it, as a National Guard unit is called up, the cost of operations or the, the, um, the cost incurred by the state for sending those uh, uh, units into service is paid by the federal government. And of course, you know, federal government, uh, maybe not so great at um, uh, paying their bills on time. So there was an issue where several states were uh, suing the federal government because they hadn't paid their um, their bills regarding calling up of the National Guard. Uh, so that's one. But the other one says, hey, first of all, there should be an actual declaration of war. If you want to call up the Guard, uh, either federal government, United States, uh, either um, either uh, actually declare war. Now, we haven't declared war since 1941, right? Sure, we've had lots of actions, but we haven't actually declared war. Now, the other one they call on, they say, well, listen, okay, either you declare war or you follow the process under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. Which reads, let's see, where's 15? Uh, Congress has the power to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrection, and repel invasion. All right, now the, the law says, talks about execute the laws of the Commonwealth. Mm, union is a better term for it, but okay. But that's the point. There's a couple of interesting points here. First of all, Congress has the power to set forth how the National Guard or the, the militia gets called forth. How do you call forth the militia? But they also say, and you're limited to the the task defined in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. In other words, you can execute the laws of the Union, you can repel invasion, or you can suppress insurrection. Why is this important? Well, with these ongoing kinetic actions, as some like to call them, how, many, how much time have the National Guard spent out of the country where they've been called up and put into service in Iran, I'm sorry, Iraq, Afghanistan, and, and, and other places like that. They're saying, no, you're not authorized to simply call up the National Guard to do that. You can call the National Guard to do three things, execute federal law, suppress insurrection, or repel invasion. That's it. So I like this law because, again, it's applying the Constitution. It's the state saying, hey, feds, no, 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 we reserve our power to uh, control our militia. You can call them up to do these three things. Yes, if there's a declaration of war, we will part, you know, we can do this. Um, 
And by the way, the state actually says, it's not saying we can't consent to doing it already. You cannot force us to do this. So I like this this bill as well. Okay, we have a hat trick from uh, uh, from Kentucky because we have Kentucky House Bill 101, and it modifies the law that identifies what is um, what is money, right? Or I should say, what is not subject to sales tax? Um, th- th- it, it's a fairly lengthy law talking about the uh, the things that that um, the sale. Uh, or use of these is not considered is not subject to sales tax. Um, you know, this is this is uh, um, it's fairly important because again, just like we are dealing in Utah, the question of uh, the federal government, uh, the the monetary policy, and the Federal Reserve that have debased the dollar. What can we use? What can we make available as a usable currency? And obviously, if you if you and I trade, if, if I buy something from you with gold or silver, that's considered a sale of gold or silver, and sales tax tax has to be collected. This bill would list uh, um, currency or bullion as non-taxable. So bullion, meaning bars, ingots, coins that are made of gold, silver platinum, palladium, or a combination of these metals that are valued based on the content of the metal and not its form. So in other words, if you have an ounce of gold, no matter what form it's in, it's worth whatever an ounce of gold is worth, or silver. But I like this. This adds platinum, palladium, other precious, as as precious metals. Very nice. Um, It also includes currency, which is a coin or currency made from gold, silver, platinum, palladium, or other metals or paper money that is or has been used as legal tender and is sold based on the value as a collectible item rather than the value as a medium of exchange. So again, here you have Kentucky saying, we also want to be able to detach ourselves, uh, allow our citizens to use something other than federal dollars, Federal Reserve notes, uh, uh, U.S. dollars, as a form of currency in transactions and and not have to pay taxes in order to do that. Uh, so again, uh, a nice bill, nice hat trick from Kentucky. Uh, if you live in Kentucky and any of these bills pique your interest, again, I recommend reaching out your rep, your senator, your governor, um, maybe your, your treasurer, whatever, whatever you... I don't know what's in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, but be involved. And just like I told in Utah, let's make sure we're giving them the the tools so that they can they can defend themselves when the federal government comes a knocking. Because pretty sure the federal government's going to come a knocking at some point. Now again, you can help by helping them draft the uh, the resources to stand up against the federal government. That's part of what we do at the Patriots program is to help people uh, have the tools to help themselves protect their their state powers, run whatever programs they want that's there. You can find out more at the website, constitutionstudy.com. Just look for Patriots. Go to constitutionstudy.com slash Patriots. Find out more. You don't have to join. Take the boot camp. But that's kind of what we're doing here. That's what we want to do with with the Patriots program is give people the education to say, um, Hey, you know, Mr. Representative, Mrs. Representative, um, have you thought about this? Have you considered this constitutional issue or this constitutional argument? 
How can we draft something that could be uh, kept as an addendum to this legislation that would help inform future uh, uh, members of the government of how to defend these statements, this law against uh, future federal intrusion? That's what we can do. And that, ladies and gentlemen, would go a long way to help putting uh, Uncle Sam back in his place. Now, I have a couple more articles I want to talk about, one coming out of New York, one coming out of here at Tennessee, but I have to take a break. Now, I mentioned that all the articles I've covered so far, I got from the 10th Amendment Center. It's a great place to, to get information. Another great place to get information is AmericaOutloud.news. As I say, I read hundreds of headlines every day looking for information to help bring to you. AmericaOutloud.news is on that list. I go there every day to find out, well, latest news information, happenings, what's going on. But just as I share that with you, both here and via social media, it's important you do the same as well. Find the articles, the videos that really excite you, or maybe it's a story or a podcast that explains something better than you have before, and share it. Share it with friends, share it with family, share it with social media. I don't care how big your following is. It's the act of sharing that helps secure the blessings of liberty. The out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's Chief Medical Board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, everyday American Jewelry. Join the Constitution study. Today we're talking about states standing up. And, uh, well, my old home state, my birthplace, the Empire State, run like the Roman Empire, 
you know, I have a lot to complain about what goes on in the Empire, but um, every so often they do something good, or at least they try to. So the, uh, the the assembly of the state of New York, their their House of Representatives is called the assembly. They there's been a bill submitted called uh, Assembly Bill or A two six three two. I found this one interesting because what it wants to do is it wants to add a new section to part of their law that says, notwithstanding any other law to the contrary, a peace officer as defined in Section two dot ten of the Criminal Procedures Law employed by a local government who, under color of law, subjects or causes to be subjected, including failing to intervene, any other person to the deprivation of any individual rights that create binding obligations on the government actors secured by the Bill of Rights, Article 1 of the State Constitution, <clears throat> excuse me, is liable to the injured party for legal or equitable relief or any other appropriate relief. So what this law is dealing with is what's counter referred to as, as a qualified immunity. Uh, the idea that government actors are generally immune from prosecution, uh, or I should say immune from civil, uh, um, from civil suits for what they do as part of their job. And uh, this has been used, it, it, there's a certain amount of logic to it. I've covered this in other places. You know, you, you don't want... Um, uh, Every time a, law, a police officer arrests somebody, you don't want them sued for assault because they put hands on the person to take them into, into custody. Um, there's a little bit of that in there, but it's gone way, way, way too far in many, many, many situations where um, law enforcement officers have done uh, truly criminal activities and not been held accountable by a claim of uh, qualified immunity. So what this does is it says, listen, if you are a local peace officer, right? meaning um, you, you, you're a, a, a local police officer, or uh, I would guess it would include justice of peace. I'm not sure how they define peace officer. If you're a local peace officer and you either by action or inaction deprive someone of an individual right as listed under the Bill of Rights, which is Article One of the New York State Constitution, you are liable to the injured party for both legal and equitable relief, meaning you can you can sue them for your legal fees and for damages. It goes on to say, notwithstanding any other law to the contrary, a statutory immunity, statutory immunities and statutory limitations on liability, damages, or attorney's fees shall not apply to claims brought pursuant to this section. Government Governmental immunity shall not be a defense to liability pursuant to this, this section, and qualified immunity shall not shall not be a defense to liability pursuant to this section. So they're saying, listen, qualified immunity, governmental immunity, uh, you know, limit, not apply to this section. It goes on to one more sec, one more part. It says, notwithstanding any other law to the contrary, in any action brought pursuant to this section, a court shall award reasonable attorney's fees and costs to a prevailing plaintiff. In actions for injunctive release, a, a relief, a court shall deem a plaintiff to have prevailed if the plaintiff's suit was a substantial factor or significant catalyst in obtaining the results sought by the litigation. When a judgment is entered in favor of a defendant, the court may award reasonable costs and attorney's fees to the defendant for defending any claims the court finds frivolous. So this one says, okay, um, the court should award reason award reasonable fees and costs to a to the plaintiff if they win. In other words, you sue and you win, you get reasonable costs. 
Um, if you're looking for injunctive relief, if you win, well, that's assume that you, you should get the injunctive relief. But it also allows the defendant, if, if you sue and you lose, well, the court can impose reasonable costs and attorney's fees to the defendant being paid by the plaintiff uh, if the court finds that your suit was frivolous. Right? So if you're the guy that says um, police brutality because they put the handcuffs on and they put the handcuffs on too tight, that would be a frivolous suit. You may owe a, a defense fees, attorney's fees, court fees costs to the defendant in that situation. So it sounds pretty good, except for one thing. I don't have a problem with this law with, with one exception. It says, uh, let's see, right off the bat, notwithstanding any law of the contrary, a peace officer, as defined in Section 2.10 of the Criminal Procedures Laws, employed by a local government. This doesn't apply to state police. This doesn't apply to any state law enforcement, Bureau of Criminal Investigations, any of them. It doesn't apply. It only applies uh, to, I would assume you it would be local police, um, probably uh, county sheriff. I would think they would be considered as as a as local government, but there's a very strict limitation to that. So this is again maybe a baby step in the right direction, and they're saying the the abuse of um of of these immunities has gone so far that let's consider reeling them in, um, but they're not going to the the state uh the state legislature doesn't want to put the state law enforcement under the same restrictions as the local law enforcement, which really shouldn't surprise anyone familiar with an empire. Okay, one more. This one comes from the state of Tennessee. Yes, my adopted home state, the volunteer state. I love this. Tennessee's been doing some really good stuff lately. Uh, one of the things that's been proposed is Senate Bill 1147. In there we read, this state and its political subdivisions shall not adopt or implement policy recommendations that deliberately or inadvertently infringe on restrict or, or restrict private property rights without due process, as may be required by policy recommendations originating in or traceable to the United Nations or a subsidiary, subsidiary entity of the United Nations, including but not limited to Agenda 21 adopted by the United Nations in 1992 at its Conference on Environment and Development, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development introduced at United Nations Summit in 2015, the United Nations proposal to reach net zero emissions by 2050, or another international law or ancillary plan of action that contravenes the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of this state. I love this one. Why? I've been saying all along, the United Nations, any United Nations resolution, law, movement, whatever, has no legal standing within the United States. And any treaty that the United States signs with the United Nations is only valid if it's enacting something under the authority of the United States. By the way, regulating the environment, not a power delegated to the United States. So they don't have that authority to do so. So here you have the state of Tennessee, at least if the legislature passes it, saying, listen, the state, any of its political subject, whoever it is, you cannot, you shall not adopt or implement a policy that, um, infringe or restricts pro private property rights without due process. We don't care what the UN says. We don't care what their plans are. We don't even care, by the way, 
I, I would I would say so that uh, if this gets traced to the UN, so if the if Congress passes a law to say implement uh, the twenty thirty agenda for sustainable development, Tennessee says nope, sorry, no mas, you can't do that. We're not going to implement it. We're not going to adopt it. We're not going to support it. We're not going to have anything to do with it within the state of Tennessee. Now they go on to say uh, since the United Nations has accredited and enlisted numerous non-governmental and intergovernmental organizations to assist in the implementation of its policies relative to Agenda 21, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, Net Zero Goals for 2050, and its related plans and initiatives, this state and its political subdivisions shall not enter into any agreement, expend any sum of money, or provide financial aid to those non-governmental and intergovernmental organizations as described in or promoted by such plans and initiatives. Basically, we're not going to give you any money. We're not going to support you. We're not going to have anything to do with you. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is a fairly well-worded um, piece of legislation. There's one thing I would like to see added. I'm not surprised that they didn't, but I'd love to see it anyway. And that is dealing with outside agencies that, without our own funding, come in to implement these. For example, the EPA. The EPA may come along and say, um, by the way, uh, Tennessee, uh, you have to, uh, under net zero 2050, you must uh, get rid of uh, fixed washing machines, or um, you must require that only electric vehicles are sold after, you know, 2030. We don't care. This come, You said this came out of one of those agendas. I don't care that the federal government said it. One, you have no legal authority to tell us to do that anyway, so go pound sand. Um, oh, by the way, it came through the United Nations net zero, therefore we're not going to support it. But the problem I have with this, the, 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 the place where they fall a little short, right? it's a lot short. This says that they will not, this Tennessee will not implement the policy. Tennessee will not fund the policy, but it does nothing to prevent those outside organizations, especially governmental organizations, from enforcing it for themselves. And that's where the EPA comes in. In other words, the Tennessee won't give money to implement the EPA's policy. Where's the, wait a second, you're violating the law. You are depriving us, our, our citizens of rights. Um, under color of law, you're committing a federal crime, we will arrest you for attempting to implement these things um, without, uh, our, without our consent. So I, maybe this is a first step. Maybe the plan is, let's get this one in place, let's stop our implementation, let's deal with the problem there, then let's see about how do we prevent these um, intergovernmental organizations or even our own a federal government from trying to do it for us, uh, or I should say, do it to us. Now, again, I'm a citizen of Tennessee. So I'm taking this and I'm sending it to my state senator, my state re uh, representative, uh, with a note saying, uh, I like this idea. By the way, um, I would like to see either in this legislation or follow up legislation the criminalization of the of federal agents attempting to implement these policies um, in the future. And I'd be more than willing to come in and work with you and your groups on how we can set up a, a preparations for defense of this 
if and most likely when the federal government pushes back and says no. That's what I'm going to do. If you live in Tennessee, join me in in putting this together and uh, let's see what we can let's see what we can do to help support our governments to do this. See, it's, it's, we always ask these people in government, they, we hire them as representatives, and we rightly ask them to represent us to do so freely, fairly, and legally. But we should be willing to support them when they do. So the question then becomes, you know, when, when I reach out to my, my state rep and my state senator, and I ask them, I say, hey, I like this. Um, you know, tell me what you, first, I'm going to start out with, tell me what you think about this. And then I will tell them what I think after I get there. I like doing it that way because I get the, uh, generally I get a, a better, a more informed response. I, I, sometimes I get a thumbs up, thumbs down, but I can get more information from them. But I'm willing to come in and help them saying, how do we prepare the executive branch? How do we prepare tools for the executive branch to um, defend this when Uncle Sam comes a knocking? Granted, I'm in a bit of a unique position, but that's a position you can attain as well. Yes, I'm a constitutional scholar, but there's a reason why I keep mentioning the Patriots program. This is what we do. See, what I'm going to do is when I write up my response to the, uh, my, my at- attachment to the note that I send to uh, my state uh, rep, my state rep, my representatives, I'm going to take that and I'm going to place that in a section in the Patriots section of the Constitution study. There's a dedicated section only for Patriots. You have to be a member to access the, the, the stuff in there. I will put a copy in that. It, it's for our, our Minutemen, the men and women willing to stand up and do something. So they'll have an example. Um, and uh, that's something you could gain access to if you join us in the Patriots. You can also learn the you know the the constitutional standards I'm using to make those statements. Um, and again, we can communicate this. We can share this. That's what we do at the Constitution Study. So here we sit. We've got a. We've got at this point uh, four states have done or have proposed legislation to defend themselves to defend the their the powers reserved to them by the constitution the powers they have that they did not hand over to the federal government i'm glad to see it this is a good start the next step obviously will be well passing the legislation and then we can't stop there we have to make sure that they not only pass the legislation but that they are prepared to enforce that law once it's made law in your state. And that's what I want to do with, that's what I'll be doing with the Patriots and the work that we're doing there. We cannot ask those who represent us to stand up and do the right thing if we will not stand up and support them when they do. So I hope you'll join me, whether you become a Patriot or not, I hope you'll join me in in not only communicating your wishes to the uh, to your state representatives, but your support and your willingness to do something, to engage, to become part of the solution rather than simply part of the problem. I know a lot of people say that wisdom is power, but to me, wisdom is not power until it is put into action. It is put into action by everyday Americans like you and like me and like our neighbors. 
Now, if you don't live in one of the states we were talking about today, maybe take these examples, find this legislation and uh, say, go to your representative, say, hey, why don't we do something like this? Why aren't we part of this move to, to defend ourselves, to defend the powers that are reserved to us as a state, to stand up to those who would take those powers and use them for ill? And again, same scenario. Once you show it to them, encourage them, support them when the, your representatives, when they do the right thing and help them build the tools to not only pass the laws, but to defend the laws once they are passed. I hope you like this, this episode, this, this state-centric episode. I hope you come back and join us for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. I hope you'll go to the podcast. See, all my episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after the radio, and you can find them in your favorite podcast app. But I ask you to subscribe to the to the show, to to rate and review the episodes, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at AmericaOutloud.news. But please share the links, share the stories, share this information and share the blessings of liberty. 